Marini's Media. Midlands breathalyzers on buses and to test or not to test to test but get help paying for it obviously this is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power Hello listener, thanks for lending us your ears for listening and your brains for processing what you'll hear over the next 45 minutes or so I'm Matt Davis-Adams yet they keep asking me back uh, with me this week, making his long-awaited return after a week on the sidelines. This weekend marked the 16th anniversary of his sending off for Swindon in a 1-0 win against Bradford. It's Sam Parkin. Hello, Matt. Was that your only career red? That seems very out of character. I had two. Um, one was against uh, a chap called Steve Book, uh, who became my teammate the following year. So that was quite fun when he walked into the training ground after I'd volleyed him in a Cheltenham <laughs> Swindon derby. And that one was against Darren Holloway, who was very aggressive and he kept whacking me. And I think I'd just broken up with a girlfriend prior to the game. Wasn't in the best frame of mind. So I uh, kicked him back and got a straight red. <laughs> yeah, but you won the game. Um, Sammy Igo scored an absolute belter from a free kick from about 30 yards. Remember it well. Um, well somebody does anyway. Uh, also with Sam, a tactical analyst, former winger, and assuming he entered his date of birth correctly on Twitter, the birthday boy. Many happy returns, Adrian. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, be a big day today. I am marking it with a flu jab at three o'clock, um, <laughs> followed probably by mauling for Arsenal at Anfield tonight. So, yeah, it's, I'm sure the day's going to be great. Happy birthday. Uh, with Clarky and Parky, a very warm welcome to the host of Talk Sports Game Day. You'll know her also from Soccer Saturday and more. Hello, Faker others. Hello there, Matt Davis-Adams. Thanks for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Right, let's debate who did the best football this weekend. Performance of the weekend. Yes, it's time for the performance of the weekend. If you're new to it, here's how it works. We all choose a team that exceeded their XP. That's expected performance, which is something I've just made up. Uh, We've got 15 seconds to explain why they are the performance of the weekend before the gong sounds. We stick it on Twitter in the form of a poll. You can vote for your favourite, a simple but effective way of encouraging audience engagement. Uh, For those of you keeping score Luton won last week as chosen by Simon Watts Clarky FYI you are 0 for 2 at this game um, but I'm going to let Sam have the first crack seeing as he wasn't with us last weekend you sir have chosen Blackburn Rovers your 15 seconds starts now well tour derby to shreds 13 attempts in the first half alone Dolan sensational Holtby pulling the strings five goals for Armstrong now and Blackburn now scored 11, took them 10 games last season. That's the most goals after three games that any team has managed this century. Wow, that was really good. I think you might actually have hit the, the gong right on time. A um, lot of pressure on you there, Faye. You've gone for Reading and your 15 seconds start now. Well, who would have expected this from Reading after last season? But Valko Paunovic has done a superb job taking over. And Lucas Shao, five goals in four appearances. Great footwork. Dislocated his shoulder, though. 35 years since Reading won their own game. Not bad, but I think the Very guy in the just season. Beat you. <laughs> uh, Clarkie. No pressure, but you have been quite terrible at this. So expect an improvement. <laughs> Very nice victory. Um, you've chosen Wigan Athletic. Your 15 seconds start now. Anyone can beat Derby. Anyway, Wigan didn't know uh, even if they'd be able to field a team a few weeks back. So to go to Fratton Park inflict Pompey's first home defeat in 17 months is special. They also scored the best free kick you'll see all season from Tom James. Magic football. Brilliant day for Wigan. <laughs> no, that's a birthday. <laughs> Very clever. Them, not a <laughs> I don't know. There you go. Very good, I like Producer it. Abby. That was nice. Um, if it was up to me, Clark, you'd, you'd have won for throwing some mud derbies away in the first second, but it is a Twitter poll. Um, I get to have a go too. I've picked Oxford. My 15 seconds start now. Uh, no doubt this is the right answer this week. Their bus broke down because 2020 and they still gubbed Accrington 4-1 on their own patch despite also missing a whole bunch of players. Only one other team in the EFL scored four goals on the road this past weekend and Oxford hadn't won in the league all season. There you go. Get voting at the Totally Show is the place to find the poll and we will announce the winner next week. OK, as has become tradition, we have to talk about COVID before we go deep on football. 
Two games were postponed in League Two at the weekend because of positive coronavirus tests. Having seen their League Cup match against Spurs called off, Lake Orient's fixture at Walsall went the same way on Saturday, whilst Grimsby's trip to Cheltenham was also postponed, with Chairman Philip Day saying the Mariners' next two matches against Bradford in the League and Hull in the EFL Trophy are also off. Uh, these not going to be isolated incidents this season. We spoke a bit about it last week and the EFL no longer having mandatory testing. Uh, Faye, what do you think about that? Is it, is it a good thing? Is it a dreadful thing? Is, is it just a, a play from them to, to try and get this funding that's long been talked about? I mean, yeah, I hadn't thought about it being a play. That's a really good point, actually, um, because it wouldn't make any sense otherwise, apart from financially. I was listening to Portsmouth CEO Mark Catlin speaking on Talk Sport on Sunday, and he was basically saying it's about £120, £125 per test. So you can understand why many of these clubs won't want to fork out that kind of money every single week to do the testing when they're obviously not getting any revenue in at the moment. However, there is a responsibility... And, you know, games like Bradford's at the weekend against Stevenage when there were three positive tests, you know, those kind of things can't happen, I don't think. Yeah. And meanwhile, as we record on Monday, a group of prominent figures from the world of football and Robbie Savage have written to ministers pleading for some government help to keep EFL and National League clubs alive. Here's an excerpt from the letter. We'd ask that the government now make clear what financial support it's prepared to give before it's too late. In order for clubs to sustain themselves over the winter and keep playing, they would need to be compensated for the loss of match ticket sales. There's still time to act, but not long left. And now keep in mind, one and a half billion pounds worth of loans and grants has been set aside for arts and culture as opposed to no pounds for football. Um, The help is obviously necessary. Is it going to happen, Adrian, if we swap... Match balls for grouse, might that encourage the government to, to open the checkbook? <laughs> yeah, look, I, they're spending money, you know, left, right and centre on, on various things, aren't they? So I have a degree of sympathy there. It's not an easy situation, but football is the national sport. So many of these clubs are the hub of their local communities. And the English pyramid, the football pyramid, is is precious. And it's what separates us from the rest of the world. I think it it should be protected at all costs. I spoke to the Scunthorpe chairman on the radio on Friday and look, they're in a reasonable financial state. They're, they're run properly. There's no issues at Scunthorpe. And we asked him, how long have you got left in terms of how long can you carry on with no support? And he said, well, we're all right for October, but we wouldn't make the end in November. And that's Scunthorpe. That's that's one of the sort of, sort of most sensibly run football clubs out there. It's Everyone's in a perilous position. It has to happen, as far as I'm concerned. We have to save save these teams, even if it is a, a loan, you know, an interest-free loan or very low interest, paid over a long time, eventually to, to, to give it back. If it has to be that, they'll take it. Because right now, it's not about how much money football's got in general. It's not about bad owners spending too much money. It's about surviving on next to zero income. And, and these football clubs can't survive on that. So it has to happen. Sam, you spoke very eloquently on this subject on Quest on, on Saturday night. Anything you'd like to add here? Uh, not really. I think it's been covered. I'm sorry if I'm going over old ground, but I thought it was alarming when you read the, the comments of a, another chairman, the Colchester's chairman, um, just about how difficult it is to uh, get revenue through the, the, the streaming uh, option available to supporters. I thought that was incredible. It actually favours the bigger clubs who, who have supporters who are obviously... Um, used to travelling in in numbers and uh, and big attendances going to away games. For example, if Colchester take 300, less than 500 to an away game, they don't make a penny uh, for, from that streaming service. So it's really, really worrying. Um, it's a, a terrible position to be in. But of course, we're just waiting for some news because that light was at the end of the tunnel, wasn't it? And I don't think we can be too strong on it because, of course, the the country is in such a difficult spot at the moment with places going into lockdown day after day. But how you can't get a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, maybe even up to I don't know seven or eight thousand in some of these huge stadiums, travel seems to be the issue. You could the, these places, the majority of these grounds have the car park space. They have um, the way you could bus in supporters safely. It, that to me doesn't add up. And you, and I, I heard the Shrewsbury uh, chief exec talking about it as well. That they're very much looking at the family bubbles, the way that that uh, families could travel to the games together, and you could space them out that way. Surely, with some of the other activities that are going on right now, 
you could get more more fans into football grounds. Yeah, completely agree. I, th- I think it's it's silly to write it off until March or, or whatnot. Let's just keep it open and, and, and try to find a way to get some fans back in. By the way, on the subject of testing, this is the time for the PFA to to finally you know poke their head out and say and, and, and do what they've always promised to do, and that's protect their members. And, and what better way to protect their members but than, than by paying for these tests that the clubs, understandably, can't afford to pay for. So, PFA, please do the right thing here. Yeah, well said. Um, hopefully, listener, you'll, you'll have had an update by the time you hear this podcast or not long after. It's a story that's going to run and run, though, so we'll keep covering it. But for now, let's championship. For the rest of this month, this month being September 2020, you can take out a subscription to The Athletic for the frankly ridiculous price of just £1 a month. That's unrivaled football writing and analysis from the very best people in the business, a brand spanking new breaking news service and ad-free versions of each Athletic podcast, all for just £1 a month. Go to theathletic.com slash league show to get started. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines. Reading's perfect start continued with the 2-1 win over Cardiff. Velko Paunovic, we never doubted you. Bristol City also three from three after beating Sheffield Wednesday. Blackburn keep on scoring four goals at Beleaguer Derby for Rovers this past Saturday. No such luck though for Barnsley, Forest and Wickham all yet to score this season. We're going to start our look back at the weekend's action at Vicarage Road, where Watford beat Luton by a goal to in front of our own Sam Parkin. Um, Sam, you were impressed by Watford. I was. I really was. The organisation, uh, the way they've uh, adopted exactly what the manager wants, I think was in real evidence. Uh, it was the right result. Luton didn't really turn up, and I thought Nathan Jones summed it up perfectly in his, his post-match. You wouldn't have known it was a derby. Uh, had you have been there and seen the, not so much the intensity, but obviously there's just no atmosphere. There was no tackles. I think uh, Tom Cleverley and uh, Luke Berry had a little wrestling match at some point. I was rubbing my hands together thinking, here we go. And it just didn't act as a catalyst at all. But in terms of Watford, they're not going to get bundles of goals because they're playing two chaps up top who aren't out and out strikers. But that in turn makes it difficult for opposition centre-backs to pick them up because they going into little pockets of space and the aggressive centre-halves that Luton have in their ranks had no one to kick and no one to, to feel during the game. But I was really impressed with the, the, the Watford energy and especially the young players. When all the talks about what experienced lads aren't out there, who's going to be out there? He's got Ngakia, the right wing-back, Wilmot, the left-sided centre-half. And I thought um, the lo- young boy Garner on loan from Manchester United was exceptional in just adding class, Premier League class and control to a game which um, Luton unfortunately lacked in that department. So good value for the win. Uh, Faye, you are currently hatless, but you are a hatter. What did you make of of Luton's performance here and and the season so far? I think Sam summed the game up and so did Nathan Jones. It was lacklustre for sure. I watched it on iFollow in my kitchen and I was getting quite frustrated. It wasn't the Luton I'm used to watching and certainly not the Luton that I've been watching this season either. I, we showed more against Manchester United with our second string 11 in the Carabao Cup midweek um, than we did on Saturday, which was a real shame because it showed real intent from Nathan Jones that he certainly had it in his mind that it was a derby that he wanted to win because otherwise he'd have played his full strength side against against United. So disappointing from that point of view but fans make derbies and unfortunately nowadays in football unless you have a bunch of players who grew up in the area who know the strength of a derby and exactly what it means when it's been 14 years since you've played your main rivals this bunch of players even if they're told what a big deal it is maybe just don't fully understand how big it is the fans change that and obviously there weren't any uh, now then, who'd win in a fight between a swan and a chair boy? Well, it depends how old the boy was and whether or not he could use the chair as a weapon, but you'd have to favour the swan. They can break a person's arm. Uh, wait, listen, I'll come back. Adrian's going to tell you all about Wickham versus Swansea. Um, Clarky, Swansea, quite impressive here. Wickham, we know, struggling, but we haven't spent much time on, on the swans this season. What, what did you make of them here? Well, I was, I was really impressed with, with Swansea. No, it wasn't the hardest test for them. Wickham were caught between two stools. Basically, Wickham 
didn't want to press Swansea because they were scared that they were going to get played through. So they sat off them and then basically didn't get a kick, and not, not for an hour anyway. They knocked the ball around really well. The back three, lovely distribution, used the full width of the pitch. They've got two excellent wing-backs, I think, Swansea and, and Connor Roberts and Bidwell on the other side. Bidwell produced the first goal. And, and yeah, the thing that stood out for me was the movement. Uh, very rotational, really fluid. It was Premier League movement in, in many respects. It was quite quite sophisticated. Morgan Gibbs-White, someone that me and Sam have sort of tipped up already, but he, he was tremendous in the game. And I'll tell you why he was tremendous, because I've played in this role, the number 10 role before, and it's a sort of a privileged what? position. And I was always very chuffed. To, I was chuffed to get this role. No, it is a privileged position because you're allowed to go anywhere, Sam. You're allowed to roam, kind of, you can go left, you can go right, you can come deep, you can go and run in behind. It's, it's a, you're lucky to get the nod to play at 10. Well, that's how I saw it anyway. And, um, but, but sometimes you watch number 10s and they don't get on the ball. They don't, they don't make enough effort to show for it. And that's the opposite of what Gibbs White did. He did all of those things. He went wide, he came short, he went in beyond. The only criticism I'd have of him is, is inside the final 25 yards of the pitch, he needs to get more confident with his shooting and with his final pass. But this kid's got, got great ability. And, and look, playing up behind AU and, and Jamal Lowe, who, who were great on the day, that, that's exciting. It really is. So, no, I was, I was super, supremely impressed with them. But I still think they need a target man type as something different. And I still think they could do with a powerful player in the middle of the park. Good midfield unit in there, neat and tidy, but with Smith and, and Grimes. But I think they lack a, a physical presence. So those are the two positions I think they should strengthen. Uh, Huddersfield won Forest nil. Good on the Terriers and their manager, C-Dubs. They did a win thanks to Fraser Campbell's goal. And Benzer again. Toffolo will get to it. And he pulls it back into a great area. And that's a fabulous goal from Fraser Campbell. The local boy who's returned home to try and take his club, his town, back to the top. Fires Huddersfield town in front here. Uh, Forest, meanwhile... Well, they're just toilet, aren't they? They've been linked with Cafu, not that one. In a swap deal for Thiago Silva with Olympiakos. Uh, Olympiakos, like the two-time European champions, owned by Evangelos Marinakis. I know it's worked okay for Watford in the past, but but Faye, is it just me who finds this kind of thing a little bit unsettling that you've got somebody who owns two clubs and they just kind of swap players between them? Doesn't feel quite right to me. Yeah, you watched it with Charlton a few seasons ago. It was incredibly frustrating. I don't personally like it. I'm more of a purist. Just because you own two football clubs, it doesn't mean that those players should interchange between each other because they might not fit the mould. That's a no-brainer. If I were you, I'd be really worried for Sabri Lamushi because I covered Forrest a lot last season and they were superb. I really enjoyed watching you and it feels as if you've got a massive hangover from what happened missing out on that playoff spot coming into this season. And I don't know what you think as a, as a fan, Matt, about Sabri Lamushi's position because I've always thought he's been a superb manager and could really take Forrest on, but something seems to not be quite right. Yeah, it's such a weird one. I mean, they've let him sign 12 players who apparently were all his picks, so it'd be strange to sack him now. But Adrian, they've got to get a positive result from somewhere fairly soon, otherwise it becomes harder and harder to justify yeah. keeping him there. Well, yeah, they, they played a bit like strangers. I mean, seven changes is is bold, isn't it? Um, and, and look, a lot of those players probably are good enough to be first choice. I wouldn't argue it over time that, that those seven might feature regularly, but to chuck them all in at once, I thought was a bit bit random. And um, it was a lot to expect, actually, that they would just click, just like that magically click, especially against a Huddersfield team that you knew would press you and knew you'd, they'd go man to man on. And, and that's what they did. They basically got in the face of Forest players and, and, and they didn't have an answer. And that's what disappointed me with Lamushi. It's that he had no real response to Huddersfield's tactics. I was looking in the second half, what's he going to do about this? How's he going to, is he going to get around this, this, this sort of fervent approach from the Terriers? And he didn't really do anything other than, you know, swap players like for like. I mean, do you rate him as a tactician, Matt? Um, yeah, in one sense, if you want to frustrate a team and, <laughs> you know, grind out a result, that's fine. But that's something that, that tended to work very well for Forrest last season when they could have the home crowd on side backing them to do that. I think that was a big part of that. Mm -hmm. um, do you rate his dress sense, this... Matt? Beg your pardon? <laughs> do 
to rate his dress sense, Matt. Oh, he beat Carlos Corberon on that front, hands down, didn't he? White trousers from the Huddersfield manager. Goodness me, not 1984. Um, we should give Corberon some, some credit, though, Sam, in front of his, his mentor, Marcelo Bielsa. That's a, a big first championship win for him. Yeah, you'd like to think that he had a... Uh, a, a chat with him pre-match and got a, a few tactics off him. But yeah, really good victory. I thought the, the there was a few stories within that Huddersfield victory. Obviously, good to have an out-and-out striker in the team. Not had that the first few weeks. And scoring. I thought Hamer badly needed that. He's been mm. really poor. So he made a couple of great saves. And Critchlow, young lad, 21 years old, in for his first start. He's had loans at Hartlepool and Welling. It's a really interesting story. Came from Enfield Borough. He's gone through personal trauma uh, as well. Um, lost his mother a few years ago. Um, so I think he did brilliantly coming in uh, from the cold. And I think his manager said as much. So that's one to keep uh, an eye on. And hopefully he can go on and have a really good campaign. Mm. I do think, though, that Huddersfield captain Jonathan Hogg should not have been on oh. the pitch. That was a oh. shocking tackle on Harry Arter. Yeah. Faye, I, I said straight after, if you've got Harry Arter... And Jonathan Hogg going for a 50-50 in the first 30 seconds of a game. If you're a referee, you slide, you dive into a position where you can see that collision. I'm sorry, but that referee, he's got got to see that there's going to be a coming together. The two players that have earned careers from doing that type of thing. And by the way, Sam Bissau, I think, should have had four or five yellow cards before half-time. So he was lucky as well. All right, let's just move on. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, the, the banter was flying on the uh, Football League Show WhatsApp group on Friday and I was trying to join in, but I couldn't see the screen because of my salty tears. Um, I want to touch on a couple of teams who haven't really mentioned much this season. Faye, we'll start with, with Millwall. Five points from three games from the, for them after Saturday's draw with Brentford. Are you predicting a Rowett-inspired playoff push? Yeah, I am actually. They always just quietly go about their business, don't they? And I think Gary Rowett's done a really good job since he took over from Neil Harris. Um, obviously, um, goalless draw with Stoke was disappointing. You'd expect them to to win that. You'd expect them then to beat Rotherham. But a one-all draw against the playoff finalists in Brentford at the weekend, although obviously it's a Brentford side in a bit of transition at the moment, I think that was pretty impressive. The only worry I have for them is that they've brought Spurs... um, striker Troy Parrott the 18 year old on loan for the season and he picked up a nasty ankle injury in that 2-0 defeat to Burnley in the EFL Cup and he could be out for a little while so they would need really you can't rely on Jed Wallace I think it's quite a while since he'd scored actually Uh, you can't rely on Jed Wallace to, to get the goals and unfortunately Tom Bradshaw just isn't doing it he hasn't scored since I think the 1st of January so um, he might need to look for more strike reinforcements. Uh, Faye mentioned Stoke there, Clarky. What have you made of them so far? Don't score many, but don't concede many either. No, hit or miss. They had one absolute no-show at home to Bristol City, but the two away games, they've, they've been OK. Very, very solid. I quite like the new system. It's, it's well, new-ish, 3-4-1-2. Um, Powell, incidentally, was dropped for this game. And the boy uh, that came from from Spurs, Tash and Oakley Booth, came in and did okay, I think. So that was a big call. Um, the keeper situation seems to be sorted. Butland is out of the team. It's, it's Adam Davis that's that's got the nod. I think that's that's probably better for everyone, really, that you've got a solid number one. The back three, I noticed, very refreshed for this game. Seemed to have a, a nice balance there. Harry Souter, who did well last season in the division below, he was he was a big part of that back three with Fox and Chester. No, it's, 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 a, it's a good solid team. I think away from home, they're going to be really hard to break down and they will nick goals because they've got two strikers up top and firepower on the bench. I mean, you, at the weekend, no start for Vokes, no start for Tyrese Campbell um, and, and they've got others as well. So they've got a bit of depth there in the forward department. My issue at the moment is at home, when they have a lot more of the ball, have they got enough creative players on the pitch? You know, can you rely on just your front two and Nick Powell or, or the youngster? The answer is probably not. It, it places a big onus on, on the wing backs, McLean and Smith. So, so yeah, I think they've got to find a home formula. But, but for now, I think they're going to be really hard visiting team to be. I, I expect them to be top half for sure, Stoke this season. Um, maybe an outside bet for the playoffs. Uh, Sam, how about 
Birmingham. They, they haven't really built on that opening day win against Brentford, have they? Needed a stoppage time pen to pinch a point against Rotherham on Saturday. What have you made of them? I think we probably could have written this script as soon as Karanka was appointed um, at the start of the season. That was the first goal they've conceded on Saturday against Rotherham from a penalty. So still not conceded in open play. Only scored the, the two themselves. I think that pretty much sums it up. Defensively, they're going to be a lot better. Heavily reliant on Jukovic still. Bella's got two uh, this season. He had two in 30 championship appearances last campaign. He's never been a regular scorer. I think Sanchez has been a, a bright spark. He seems to be getting better with every game, but n- not a regular goal scorer either prior to coming to the club. And the, the biggest takeaway for me from the weekend was... You're looking at the team sheets when they come out and Hogan and Jukovic in the side together. He's not going to play 4-4-2 much this season. I think he's probably forced because he's got Hogan Hogan back to the club. He's now not scored in 10. And I just think when you're playing against Rotherham, you need to break lines. You need uh, movement. You need players to play in the pocket. I was really surprised they went that way. So I think it'll be Crowley, maybe Terrell, that'll come in and play as a 10 in the weeks to come but no surprises I think they'll they'll finish mid-table they won't concede any goals I'd probably like to see them get an all-round striker someone who can do a bit of everything because Jukovic has been brilliant but I think his fitness troubles will probably catch up with him this year and and you can't be so one-dimensional we'll score those headed goals from the, the crosses but I think if they could get a bit more of an all-rounder someone who can run in behind and also link a little bit then they'll be in a much better position to challenge Good stuff. Now, the betting industry, one of the few external sources providing revenue for the football industry just now. In that spirit, let's get some odds on the championship, courtesy of Paddy Power, as read out by producer Abby. Abby, who have Paddy Power got as the favourite to win the championship? Uh, no surprise, Brentford are the favourites, 4-1, to one, then it's Watford 9-2, followed by Norwich at 5-1. to one. Uh, If you fancied putting some money on Forest, because I know you would, 35-1. Uh, to one. Can we just stop this now? What about relegation? Wickham, unsurprisingly, are the favourites one to six, followed by Rotherham three to ten, and Sheffield Wednesday twelve to five. Um, Faye, I'm afraid to say, Luton are five to one to be relegated. Really? Yeah, Even on recent favorites. performances. I mean, yeah, I, Forest are thirteen to one to be relegated. So I'm not really sure how I feel about this right now. I have to say, I, I managed to get odds on Leicester beating Man City at thirteen to two yesterday. Ooh, no, work. I'm lying. Seventeen to two. Yeah. 17 to 2. I mean, this is what I don't understand at the minute. It's um, everything. I don't understand the betting, but I'll take the uh, decent odds. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, Clarky's birthday drinks are on Faye. OK, up next then, League One. This season, the Premier League's going to be a little different. But at Paddy Power, we're trying to look at the upside. Avoid unnecessary journeys. That's Fulham's trip to Anfield off. Self-isolate. Some midfielders do that very effectively. Avoid European travel. Shouldn't be a problem for Everton fans. When you think about it, not that much has changed, really. New normal, same old football. Just like Paddy Power's Acker Cracker. Get a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude. Shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. League One headlines. Have you heard the one about the drunk bus? Uh, Probably. Oxford's COVID-safe coach sprayed alcohol gel into the breathalyser used by the driver, meaning the coach wouldn't start. Hey Siri, define 2020. Uh, Elsewhere, Ipswich and Hull go 3-for-3 at the start of the season. It's the first time the Tigers have achieved that since 1948. Posh's Operation Vengeance stalled at Sunderland and Charlton have a new owner in Thomas Sandgard. He confirmed to BBC London this weekend that he owns the club but the stadium and training grounds will initially be leased on a 15-year agreement. Charlton's transfer embargo has been lifted. Uh, In terms of the weekend's action, let's start at Fratton Park where Wigan beat Portsmouth 2-1 in the They Used to Be Managed by Paul Cook derby. Here's Andy Hellier tweeting at The Totally Show. Thoughts on Pompey? Jacket has sucked the fun out of supporting the club and the failure for them to acknowledge how widespread the supporter unrest is only adds to the depression. No jacket required. Uh, Adrian, it feels like we've been debating Kenny Jacket's future for years and years now. Are, Are we reaching breaking point, do you think? Yeah, I think we probably are. If if the fans were inside Fratton Park, I think that it'd be much, much harder 
for the board to ignore it because I do believe it would be pretty unanimous in terms of the, the venom coming Kenny Jackett's way. I don't know, I just look at Portsmouth and you expect more, don't you? You expect a bit more spark, a bit more excitement, more adventure. That They're not scoring goals. Obviously, they drew blanks in their first two. The goal that they scored against Wigan was, was basically a long ball flicked on a couple of times. It's quite scrappy, uh, but look, every goal counts. But But they're not being super... Creative, having a lot of efforts on goal actually this season, a bit more possession than than usual, but but nothing's really happening. So no, it's uh, it feels like the time has come for a change, and 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 a lot of the the local press is speculating that the that the players are were, basically weren't trying for Kenny Jacket, and and when that that comes to the fore, I think a manager's in big trouble. Yeah, the local press. Well, local press are actually reporting that 200 fans are going to be attending a friendly, passionate protest (laughs) uh, in the next home game, which is against MK Dons um, on October the 10th. They've got Burton away first of all. I don't quite know how that's going to work, particularly in COVID times. They've been told if they are going to do it, that obviously they have to do it socially distanced. So um, that'll be interesting. Will it be I mean, led by John with the bells and the tattoos? John probably. Club what a legend. What an absolute legend. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not exactly, as Adrian said, it's just not the kind of football you associate with, with, with Portsmouth, unfortunately. They just lack a bit of creativity and a bit of fun. As for Wigan, Sam, this was a pretty incredible win for them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, I think the front four, when you look at it, it's not bad at all for the championship. I think Naismith had a, a particularly uh, good game. I know John Sheridan. I played with him. A brilliant player. Ridiculously hard on me um, when I was a young boy. I could get hold of the ball and get it wide and get my head on the cross and I still would have done something wrong in his eyes. So he's very demanding. So those young lads will probably be uh, be feeling that now, but a, a really good result. And yeah, I mean, it's defensively where they're quite youthful, but, um, you know, with some of the experienced guys and, and with Shez at the helm, I'm sure that they'll make a, a good fist of it this season. A brilliant result, a, a great way to get off the mark. And they've had a particularly difficult start, if you think of the way that uh, Ipswich have started and the way Gillingham finished last season. Bit of a horror start to the season. So to get that result so early will do wonders for those young lads' confidence. Now then, one team you could have been forgiven for being grateful that last season was Cattell were Ipswich. They won one of their last nine before things ground to a halt. But lo and behold, they've started the season in perfect fashion. They made it three wins from three, beating Rochdale 2-0 at Portman Road. Um, Adrian, I just wonder if it, if it's possible that they're benefiting from, from not having supporters because we know it can be toxic in that part of East Anglia. <laughs> oh, come on, this is Suffolk. It, it never gets toxic in Suffolk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even, even, even when people are angry, they're not exactly scary. He's, so, just like, going on me, he's just going on me being slaughtered in Pizza Hut after uh, East Anglian Derby. <laughs> well, I'm a West Suffolk boy. It's a bit different over in, over in Ipswich territory. But um, look, as a former junior blue, uh, I'm, I'm delighted to see them, see them flying. Um, yeah, Lambert needed it, didn't he? He needed this start to the season. He was under big, big pressure, and and they're playing some some nice football. I think the midfield. Sam touched on it on Saturday night show. Um, midfield is definitely one of the best in in the division in terms of footballers. You know, Andre Dessel. I remember seeing his dad, Jason. He was a great player. Nolan Bishop. You've got others that Flynn Downs that can come in off the bench. Loads of technique and excitement and hungry players looking to make their way in the game. My worry for them is when they come up against decent opponents, will they need a more stronger defensive midfielder? Dezel is a more of a sort of playmaker from deep. He's not a tackler. I think they maybe need someone to put you know, throw their weight around in the base of that midfield. So that's something to look out for. But but look, the back four is pretty solid, and and up front they've they've got options, haven't they? You have got the pace of Jackson's not playing at the moment. Hawkins is a great target that holds it for runners. Uh, and Norwood is, we know he's a great finisher, and he's he's not afraid to to move around inside the final third. So yeah, look, I look at Ipswich and I see no reason now that they're confident that they shouldn't be in the top. Four, I'm going to say this season. They should be top four for me. 
And the um, the key follow up question: Can you remember what privileges you were afforded as a as a junior blue? Was there a chance to, to be a mascot? Well, Did you get a pencil case? Uh, yeah, I definitely um, was in the hat for for mascot um, honours. Never got the call, so that stung. I did get free signed pictures, and I've still got some of them, of like John Walk and Franz Tyson, Arnold Muren. And, and I found this not that long ago, and it's a picture of Alan Brazil. Um, well, my mum and dad found it. It's a picture of Alan Brazil with this big mane of golden hair, and it's laminated. And uh, they sent it to me, because I was doing the paper reviews on talk, on Alan's show, and um, they said, you've got, you got to show him this. And yeah, he, he was chuckling, and yeah, I think he barely... Barely recognised himself, but but yeah, you got a few goodies. Um, but yeah, it was um, good days to be a junior blue in the early eighties. Yeah, absolutely was. Uh, back in twenty twenty, meanwhile, Crew beat MK Dons by two goals to nil. Whilst we're with you, Clark, you were across this game. Crew worthy winners, and and Mikael Mandron is he going to get the goals to keep well, them competitive? Well, this he's giving. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a good good finisher. Get penalty box strike again. It's a beautiful goal. It really was. It was a switch of play. Then there was a nice overlap. I think Perry NG putting Wintle across the ball in for Mandron. It was it was a quality goal, and it summed up their their performance. I thought they were aggressive crew. They got in the faces of MK Dons, but but MK Dons for me are too hung up on just knocking the ball around. They just they what I think they've had the most possession by far in the in League One over sixty percent, but. Not really going anywhere, and they're leaving themselves a bit vulnerable with the wing backs high. And and when you play against Crew, you've got Kirk on one wing who's quick. You've got Owen Dale who's on the other wing who's coming to the team this season. They they really hurt them. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good performance. Could have been more than two 0 and and yeah, I think it it sets Crew up for you know a, a decent run. It, I don't think they're going to be promoted this season, but I think they're way too good to be to in and around the bottom bottom part as well a couple of teams I'd like to get brief thoughts on uh, Sunderland Faye Leadbitter's late penalty meant that Posh were left bitter uh, Sunderland so many false dawns in their time in, in League One is is this another or is this the season well I, 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 there's no way I'm going to nail my colours to the mast on that one because you never know with Sunderland so <laughs> I'm just going to sit and get splinters thanks very much um, but Phil Parkinson they're still not the fans overly excited about him but actually maybe they will have been after this performance against Peterborough not the best performance perhaps but when you get three points against what could be your promotion rivals come the end of the season is a really big confidence boost and I think that that will certainly help them that they've added in about half a dozen players bit of experience as well with the likes of Aidan O'Brien Bailey Wright and Danny Graham and then he really wants to give some of the academy products and he has to an opportunity to the likes of Dan Neal Jack Diamond Elliot Embleton as well they've got Charlton next it's going to be a tough test for them be interesting to see if they can get themselves another win uh, because you know People would expect Charlton to do something this season, especially now the ownership situation has been has been sorted out. Um, but, you know, I think I, I'm optimistic for Sunderland, whilst, again, really not wanting to do that, jinx them and jinx myself. <laughs> um, lest we forget, we've got a Hall of Famer within our ranks. His name's Sam Park in the Hall of Fame of Swindon Town. What do you think of, of the Robins so far on their return to League One, Sam? Well, I've been playing it down, but um, it's going to be really fun. Um, they're going to score loads. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like they may concede a number as well. They've got the seven already in the two home games, conceded three. I think they've come up against the two perfect teams, really, for a Richie Wellens outfit in uh, Burton and, and Rochdale in particular, because hopefully some lessons will be learned by the visit inside. You can't try and play through Swindon, especially in the early part of the game. They've blown the teams away with their intensity, their, their pressing. Uh, I want to highlight, obviously, there's a series of loanies, the two front men, uh, Tyler Smith, uh, Brett Pittman's obviously a, a permanent. He scored already, both of those two chaps. But the loanies, Johnny Smith, but Matt Smith in particular from Arsenal. I mean, the kid's getting rave reviews, not only for his work in the middle of the pot, but he breaks out of his, his, his shielding role and he, he's setting off the press. He's nicking the ball, making goals, scoring goals. So really excited about a, a couple of the chaps that he's brought in. Payne's done brilliantly as well. Defensively, the Brought in Donahue this week, who was um, there last season. Richie Wellens liked him. They're a bit light at fullback, so that helps in that department. 
But but yeah, I'm a bit more optimistic than I was maybe a couple of weeks ago, just because Richie Welland seems to go after the players that fit his system. So could be talking about another challenge this year, but I'd certainly take um, middle of the middle of the table finish. Yeah, yeah Matt Smith, by the way, guys, he, he's got an FA Cup winners medal. He was on the bench for the FA was Cup he? final just just a few weeks ago. Yeah, he's on, because Arsenal basically they, they sort of banished half of their midfielders from the first team squad. We know about you know Torreira and Guendouzi and, and Ozil were, were sort of not included, and and yeah, they were down to. Almost the bare bones, but Matt Smith was was nominally he was on the bench for the semi and the, and the final. So yeah, it's um, yeah, I was in a way I was a little bit surprised that that they sent him out on loan given how close he was to the team just a few weeks ago. Adrian, you've been having a look at, at Lincoln. Obviously, well beaten by Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. Yeah. No shame in that. They signed no. uh, Brennan Johnson on loan from Forest. He's David Johnson's son. Whilst we're talking about um, kid footballers, what what else can you tell us about Michael Appleton's crew this season? Uh, Lincoln, um, yeah, he's um, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Michael Everton's crew <laughs> confused me there. I was, I was like... confused as well. <laughs> Worst rat posse ever. Yeah. Oh dear. Anyway, yeah. No, look, he's, he, I think he's recruited well this summer. No doubt about it. Um, three of the back four that have been playing a, a new boys. Um, Jackson's caught my eye from Hibs. He, look, he looks good. And Lewis Monsma, who's who's next to him, scored at the weekend. Um, signed from Dordrecht. Um, he's got four goals in all competitions, so a real threat from set pieces. That That is where they're, they're hurting teams at the moment. Corners and wide free kicks, absolutely terrific. Um, in open play, Harry Anderson's got a great cross on him from the right-hand side. We've seen a couple of assists already. Um, on the other side is George Grant, who we've talked about a lot over the last few years. Good technician. He's a dead ball specialist. And, and, and yeah, when you've got big guys at the back that can come up and score... Tom Hopper as well, decent centre forward at that level. Then, then you you're in the mix, aren't you? In midfield, it's improved. McGrandles and Brig Cup, bit more, bit more nous in there maybe than what they had last year. I've noticed they barely, they've had less possession than everyone else in in, in the game so far. They've just been really efficient, so they're able to soak it up. And then when they get inside the opposition half. They're, they're unsettling teams with the, with the quality that they've got. Good final ball and, and good finishing so far. So, so yeah, very impressive. Um, and I know that Lincoln fans are beginning to sort of reassess. Before the season, they were probably happy mid-table. Now, I think they are eyeing um, just nicking a playoff spot. Uh, we spoke a lot about Wimbledon last week after that 4-4 they had with Plymouth. Q on Twitter, uh, Q is their name, not shorthand for question, uh, pointing out that they should have been a contender for performance of the weekend, having beat a strong Fleetwood away from home. They've got the move to Plough Lane to look forward to as well, so all good in the future for the Dons, hopefully. Uh, Abby, let's get some odds as set by Paddy Power on some League One stuff. Promotion for League One, please. Sunderland are the favourites, thirteen to ten to be promoted. Then it's Hull seventeen to ten, and Ipswich are two to one, and Peterborough thirteen to five. Rounding that off, uh, Portsmouth weirdly are the fifth favourites at ten to three. So uh, see what happens there. How about relegation? As for the relegation, Rochdale are the favourites to be uh, relegated. They're four to nine. Uh, Northampton and Wimbledon are joint favourites at seven to four, and Shrewsbury at nine to four. Round that off, and uh, some developing. Odds news when the recording of this program, I did say that uh, Nottingham Forest were thirteen to one to be relegated. They've actually moved to twelve to one since we've been recording. <laughs> oh, that's good. They must have signed another fifteen players. Okay, let's go to League Two. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines. As mentioned, Grimsby and Orient's games were postponed after COVID struck the clubs. Newport's good week continued after a win over Watford in the Cup. They then saw off Bolton at the weekend. Cambridge are yet to concede, but it's still nil point for Bolton, Oldham, Grimsby and Southend. I want to start with Bradford against Stevenage. Before we get to the game, Faye, it went ahead despite Stevenage returning three positive COVID tests. Where's the consistency here? How come this game got played and, and the other two got called off? Well, I don't really understand, um, just like I didn't understand when West Ham manager David Moyes and two of his players tested positive and they still played Hull in the EFL Cup. I didn't really get it. Uh, what I don't get even more, I think um, 
I can't remember which team it was. Perhaps it was Grimsby. They only had one positive test and decided to to call their game off. Whereas Stevenage had one positive COVID test, so then decided to retest everybody and then got two further positives. So three in total, as you said. I, I just don't. I just don't understand the uh, the thinking behind it and then when I delved into it a little bit further the Stevenage chairman Phil Wallace said they did the right thing testing everybody um, and that every club needs to do weekly testing to reduce the chances of a surge in infection rates now looking at the specific case with Stevenage the EFL said the appropriate protocols and government guidance has been adhered to participants safety is paramount and it was determined there was no medical reason why the game couldn't take place as scheduled. So if if they've gone to the AFL to get medical guidance and that's what they've come back with, what's the difference between that and Grimsby? And what I'd really like is for somebody to actually come out and tell us, is it is it because they, you know, perhaps were training differently, because they were sharing cars? Is there what what's what's the difference between this? Because what the government guidance that we understand it, although I mean do we really understand it? It's so all over the place as it is, is that if you're in contact with somebody who tests positive for COVID, you have to go into self-isolation for 14 days. So why isn't that the case here? Yeah, it's really it's a really interesting one, isn't it? I, also, you think, well, maybe Grimsby couldn't afford to do any retests. And therefore, well, Stevenage did the retest. Two, two were positive, so they're taken out. But the rest, they know are OK. So they know that they're OK to go into the game. If Grimsby had done that retest... Maybe they'd have known that they had everyone okay to play. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. It's a very weird situation. Definitely. I mean, on so many levels, the EFL need to need to improve their communications, don't they? And, and Sam, this is something that's just occurred to my mind. You'd hope it wouldn't be the case, but but you might get an instance where a team gets one positive COVID test and, and rather than, than taking that player out, everybody else has tested fine. They might say, well, you know what, we've got a few injuries this week. We can't play this game, I'm afraid, and, and just give that as the reason. You're, you're opening it up to that, to that kind of tampering, which is, which is really against the spirit of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think when the pandemic uh, arrived, it was all about keeping that sport in integrity, wasn't it? And, and trying to reward the teams uh, that had successful seasons last year hence the the points per game etc not to everyone's taste but yeah I think it, it there's so many unknowns at the moment there's so many unknowns you know with these positive tests um, what's to say that uh, there would be a number of players after a period of time we know that it takes maybe a week sometimes or uh, longer than that for the transmission to pass so there's so many questions at the moment, so many things that I'm unsure of. Um, I think we've spoken about it before. I think it's a really it's a really tough time for everyone, obviously, but footballers are going out there and trying to perform. And footballers, you know, speaking as a former one myself, a number of them will have their own concerns about even going into a training ground. I'm sure of that. I'm not sure it would be affecting performances. I'm sure now with the way the mental health aspect of of professional sportsmen has moved on in this country, you could be open enough to go and say, look, I'm having issues or I'm not comfortable about playing. And that's something that can't get overlooked as well because, you know, essentially they're going out there and and put under huge pressure to perform every week with all this going on around them. A while back we were talking about Bradford against Stevenage. Clark, is there anything about the game that you'd like to tell us? Well, it was all right. Yeah, I mean, Bradford had lots of the ball. Um, it was a good good day for Lee Novak. Good tweet I noticed afterwards from Billy Clark, who, who was named man of the match. He was the number 10, former Grimsby. He'd just come back to Bradford from, from Grimsby. Um, he tweeted, um, Champagne Super Novak. I thought I like that one. That was that was that was that was decent. That's a decent nickname, that isn't it? Um, now they they played well, and I thought it was a. I think there are positive signs at, at Bradford. Um, come from behind to, to win this game, and the previous weekend they they'd drawn with a very good Forest Green side with nine men. So it shows that, that, that they've got a bit of resilience under Stuart McCall. And, and as for Stevenage. They lost this game, hadn't really trained since Wednesday by all accounts. So, so I think you can give them a pass for this particular defeat. The, the one player that's standing out for me is Elliot, is Elliot List. Um, every game I've seen today, he's broken into the box to make something happen at a key moment he scored in this game. So, so he's a player to keep an eye on this season. Uh, Oldham 2, Crawley 3 in the Harry Kewell derby. John Yem's coming out on top. Happy with that, Yemo? I don't know. 
Sam, <laughs> one of your old clubs, uh, what have you got to say about Oldham? They haven't started the season well and, and, and Crawley, John Yems will be delighted. Haven't started the season well, zero points, isn't it? I think for, mm. for Oldham, it's been, yeah, really poor. I, I think maybe a slight improvement, certainly a couple of individuals, Callum Whelan, by all accounts, um, former Manchester United Academy player, did pretty well. Blackwood, the, the Australian lad who's come in as well, showed, showed flashes, but... Uh, beaten by a Crawley side who only had three shots on target. So if that's anything to go on, maybe they were a little bit unlucky. Um, but sounds like they're quite direct at the moment. Two centre-halves struggling, experienced boys. Jumbati, who was at Wickham, and Pia Gianni, who was at Salford. Uh, a good player for them, but it's not translating to good performances at Oldham as of yet. But considering they had more shots... And considering it's very early during Harry Kuehl's tenure at a club that we know likes to change their managers, let's back Harry Kuehl and hope that he can have some positive results in the weeks ahead. Faye, you've been having a look at Barrow and how they've been getting on back in the Football League. Yeah, but I mean, look, they're still waiting for their first uh, Football League win since 1972. But David Dunn, after the one-all draw with with Colchester, was pretty pleased with the performance as they're heading in the right direction. Uh, The Mike Jones equaliser was a stunner as well. Uh, That was pretty decent. And, you know, a point against Colchester, who you'd think would be pushing up their... Uh, potentially this season was pretty decent and they've got a local derby against Carlisle next which will be exciting. (laughs) Now Newport County ended this season under a bit of pressure not in particularly good form but here they are four wins on the spin in all competitions after a 2-0 success at Bolton this weekend. It's turning round at Rodney Parade it would seem Adrian. It is, yeah. He was he was under real pressure, wasn't he, Flynn? But but they stuck with him, and rightly so. He, he definitely earned the right to have another crack at it this season, and and, and they've improved. Um, yeah, two wins and a, and a draw. Um, goals being sort of shared around. Taylor and Abrahams have chipped in with with two apiece. Um, a little bit more football, I've noticed at times. They did concede one goal, I think, at Barrow by overplaying at the back, and that's something you would never have associated with with Newport. Before, so um, so look, yeah. Watch this space. We know that they they've been a good cup team in one-off matches. They they've got good game management under Michael Flynn, but but have they got the all-round skill set to go out and win games on a consistent basis, or are they a little bit one-dimensional? Well, it looks to me from the outset they've worked on some of their weaker uh, aspects and developed them to go with that direct style that's that's taken them so far in recent seasons. So look, yeah, Newport fans, I think they're smiling again. Uh, Abby, odds, promotion, Paddy Power, Newport, are they involved in that conversation? Excellent speaking. <laughs> Newport, they are 7-2 to two to be promoted. That makes them the ninth favourite. Salford City are 13-10, to 10, Port Vale 2-1, to 1, Exeter 23-10 to 10, and Forest Green 5-2. to 2. Okay, that's just about it for this week. Before we go, though, in honour of the Oxford bus and its sensitive breathalyser, uh, let's hear your best team bus stories. Clarkie, you've spoken before of the legend of the South End United team bus. I'm guessing that's where your best <laughs> anecdote comes from. Oh, I, haven't really, I can't really think of one crazy one. There's been so many bus stories. I mean, drunkenness, major losses on the gambling tables. We've had, war- we've had warm-ups at service station car parks. We've had Friday afternoon into the evening coach trips from the south to the north i mean yeah i mean i've, I've rocked up at hotels past midnight on a friday night when we set off at, at two after training it, the coach trips were normally horrendous um i do remember one game we had to um park up about half a mile from the ground and, and basically jog to, to the ground because there was there was too much traffic not not for our game I don't think just just in general so so yeah loads and loads of coach mishaps and also and Sam might be able to relate to this coach drivers are only allowed to drive for a certain period of time aren't they and so many times we got within an hour of home and then they had to pull in at South Mim services and you sat there for an hour and you're just thinking what no you're trying to bribe the coach driver and everything to we have a, have a little whip round can he break his rules but never happened yeah yeah they, they were normally calamitous coach trips yeah south mim's not the services you want to be waiting at um, <laughs> sam how about you you played all across the efl you played in scotland too who had the best team bus 
Um, I enjoyed the travelling with Exeter because we always stayed five star, as you would expect with Paul Tisdale, the country <laughs> gen that he is. But uh, I'm just going to give you three lines that you heard on every away trip because I couldn't think of one anecdote. So, yeah. Clark, you will back me up, I'm sure, yeah. uh, and any of you others that have had... Uh, uh, really dull coach journeys. But uh, any driver that hits a busy stretch of traffic, the, the call from the back of the coach was always, what have you put in the sat-nav? Traffic. <laughs> That's uh, the standard line. Uh, driver reversing, normally into or away from an away ground. So just going past the fence or a bollard, someone would thump the back window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So the driver yeah. in horror thinks he's had a crash, much to everyone's amusement. And my personal favourite, and this was a scouser, Alan Reeves for three years at Swindon. Picture it, 2am after a midweek game, fish and chips is gone, the beers have gone, you've eaten all the sweets, everyone's knackered, starving on some godforsaken stretch of motorway somewhere. And uh, you'd hear this scouse voice from the front of the coach. He was a, he was a first team assistant by this stage. Does anyone want some of this daily milk? And there'd be like a unsuspicious new signing or a young lad sprint down to the front of the coach and there's Reeves. He sat with absolutely F all <laughs> once again. And he got someone every week. <laughs> uh, hey, did you ever do the uh, supporters coach trip thing with Luke? No, 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 I didn't. The last coach trip I uh, took was not that long ago on my 18th birthday. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> um, I hired one to go to Visage in Hemel Hempstead. Uh, it was the thing to do when you lived in Luton. You didn't go out to the clubs in Luton. You went to Watford or Hemel or Milton Keynes or somewhere like that because you were a little bit more edgy if you did that. <laughs> so we went to Visage in Hemel Hempstead on Jarman Park. Um, but I got a phone call from the coach company the next day trying to charge me for damages to the coach. But I was so drunk. I remember absolutely nothing. And there's no way like any of my friends or family would have trashed a coach. But apparently there were kebabs everywhere, like drinks spilled, all sorts. And I was so mortified. I got really upset on the phone when they said this to me. And they took pity on me in the end and said, you know, don't worry, OK, you don't have to pay, but we'll, we'll never take a booking from you again. Um, <laughs> and it turned out it was one of my best friend's new boyfriends, who was a bit dodged, had completely trashed the coach. I was so mortified about it. All anyway, right. no more coach journeys. Look at you, though, with a coach load of friends. I, I don't think me or Sam could fill a minibus with us. <laughs> talk, talk about yourself. <laughs> Sam's definitely been to well. By the way, I, I went to a National League game with Stevenish to Southport. Now, Stevenish to Southport is a long way, let me tell you. And it rained the whole way there. And we, we went on the day and we pulled up. The ground was dead. And then someone, a, lo- a club official just got on the bus, a few whispered. And they said, yes, waterlogged. So we literally didn't get off the bus. We just pulled up at the ground and then turned around and went back again. That was painful. But but one thing that was good that day is that we had a posh coach with TVs and it was the day Germany lost to England 5-1. Um, so we watched that on the way home. So it was fine. Should wow. have played in Scotland, Clarky. That happened every week. <laughs> I used to uh, get the supporters coach for Forest Away games when I was a teenager and there always used to be a sweepstake. Somebody would go around with a with a, a, an empty cup and loads of bits of paper in, you pay a pound, and if the name that you pick out scored the first goal for Forest, you kept the pot. And the whoop of delight from whomever it was, and I'm sure this is the same today, who drew out no Forest goal scorer, uh, was the loudest thing that you could hear that week. <laughs> um, Faith, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll speak again soon. Take care. Thanks for having me. Uh, Clarky, enjoyed the rest of your birthday. Uh, Sam was in charge of organising your presents. I'm sure that'll be turning up uh, at any moment. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Sam, always a pleasure. Cheers, Matt. Thank you. Listener, thank you for being with us. Producer Abby, thank you too. We'll catch up with you next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. It's all part of the Mike Ashley legend. Joe Kinnear getting appointed for a second time is just, it's probably up there among the most baffling. Today we'll print the absolute truth. You think we're we can 
coughing and slimy, is that fair enough? Do it. I think that was about as good as it got. The away game where he necked a pint in about five seconds. You're born a magpie, you're born to support Newcastle United. It's something that's kind of given me sleepless nights. Until he goes, the club can't get any better and it never will get any better. That's me done. That's me done. Welcome to Beyond the Headline, a brand new podcast series from The Athletic that goes even deeper on the stories that matter to you. Our first series asks, what's next for Newcastle United as the dust settles on the takeover that never was? Over the course of three half-hour episodes, we speak to the journalists and the supporters closest to the story. Subscribe now or listen ad-free on The Athletic app by searching for Beyond the Headline. Muddy News Media.